everyone. You are listening to Kesara Sara with me, Sarah Ann Lalone. I am a brand new teacher sharing my journey into education with the world, all while promoting risk-taking in the classroom and in your professional life. Enjoy this episode. You're listening to episode 61 with Meredith Dobbs from Bespoke ELA and TeachWriting.org. All right. So good evening. Tonight is a really special night because I'm speaking with somebody who in the back of my mind, I've been waiting and waiting to to ask her to be on the podcast. And when we met um, a few months ago in May, actually, um, I don't think she would have ever thought that she'd be on the podcast tonight, but she is, and her name is Meredith, and she is from Bespoke ELA. She's actually the founder of Bespoke ELA and teachwriting.org. I don't know about you, but I've seen, I've gotten so many emails and resources from Twitter, from teachwriting.org right now. It's just like, has totally made my my English class so much better. Um, she's also taught English, which is something that I'm also super passionate about in places like Dallas, Chicago, New York City, um, and is just passionate about literature. She's also a Teachers Paid Teachers author. She's a blogger, and she's just an awesome person. How is it going, Meredith? Hey, Sarah. It's so awesome to be on your pa- your podcast. I'm having a total fangirl moment right here. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh. Your show. And what's so crazy is that we've met each other in real life, which doesn't – know. I think that happens a lot with people from Twitter, you know, the Twitterverse and Instagram and all that. But we actually met each other and didn't know who each other was at that time. Yeah. And so now here we are, and my first official podcast is here with you, and I just, I'm so excited to be here with you doing this tonight. This is awesome. Yeah. My favorite thing in the whole world is taking people's like podcast virginity. Yes, that's like a thing, <laughs> and I I love doing it because well, I just yeah. want to create like, yeah, just like create this like awesome space for people to kind of get introduced to podcasts, and I think that you'd be a great person to have a podcast. I, it's, I feel like, yes, I think that's probably accurate. I feel like I'm all over the place, maybe too scattered, too thin, but you know, you're <laughs> awesome to say that. I think you've got like a great voice for it. And I don't know. I, you know, that I, I, t- you know, we met at Ed Camp and we should talk about that because Ed Camp was, was a fabulous experience. I've only been the one time, but Me that's too. where we I've never, met. That was your first yeah. one. That was my first ever Ed Camp. Like I had been to different what? conferences but never an ed camp i didn't i didn't know that i thought you were like an ed camp pro i thought i was the only one there that had never been to an ed camp (laughs) amazing but i know that's one of the things we talked about was was podcasts in the classroom and um you know they had students present on that and that was really eye-opening just to think of now you know in 2018 like this is an option not just for teachers like us mm-hmm. to give, have our own podcast, but for students to, to, to do their own as projects and to have that freedom of, to be able to use that technology in their own way. And I tell you, like, I didn't grow up with this kind of technology. <laughs> so it's pretty amazing to see how that has like really transformed classroom. And uh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's pretty, I didn't cool even drama. know what a podcast was like. A long time ago. No, I didn't. I, I, listen, I didn't know what Instagram was when I signed up for Instagram. I was like, Insta, <laughs> what? Because I was part of that, that, that tech. I'm serious. Like, I was part of that, like, generational gap that didn't, I didn't grow up with the internet. I didn't grow up with an iPhone, a cell, well, cell phone is what they used to be called, or a car mm-hmm. phone is how they started. You know, I, I didn't, we didn't have that. I think I was probably a freshman or sophomore in college when we got the internet. So, I grew up typing hey. my essays on. What? I'm dating myself now. What? But what? I know. I, I wrote my essays like in high school and part of college on a word processor. People today don't even know like what that even is, let alone. Yeah. So anyway, the tech, the the, the tech Mount Everest for me has been very steep uh-huh. to climb to, to get on this. You know, this learning this learning curve has been very steep to learn all the, all this technology. But it's it's awesome. It's great. And it's and the fact that. You're super open to it, which like a lot of teachers are and, and, you know, some aren't and we're trying to get them on board and that's totally okay. But what did you, 
fine because like if we go back to ed camp learning from the students about podcasting like because i thought shout out to brad truffler who is going to listen to this podcast i know um i'll tag him in this he needs to hear our appreciation for him um but it was his students that got to kind of run a session what did you think about that i wasn't able to go because i was at the same time running my own session it was like the my first ever ed camp first session, I ran one, had never been to an ed camp before. I think that's kind of like the beauty of ed camp is like, it's just a conversation, right? And that's what's so awesome about it. So going back to my question, what did you love about learning from the students, you know, in terms of podcasting? Well, you know, I think it's it's always a valuable tool to have students in front of you to actually talk about their organic experience versus versus us as teachers, because I think we see it as one way, but that might not actually be what the students, you know, think or how they see something. And so to hear them not just talk about the process, I mean, they talked about a lot of nuts and bolts things and how they do it and organize it and produce it and all that. It was for me how passionate they were. That's what got Mm. me. I was like, these kids are excited. They love doing this. I could see how like close they all were. They were all like, they seemed like their best friends. They seemed like they love spending time together. And I, that's what really what spoke to me. And I talked a lot about student choice, giving your students freedom, letting them choose, letting them have the freedom to explore topics they're interested in. And that, that I really think it's the heart of, you know, this big shift in education that I've seen across my teaching career is, is integrating more of that choice into the classroom. And this podcast thing just really provides mm-hmm. an opportunity for, for kids to do that. The passion from the students. And I think that totally like generates from the passion that Brad had because Brad has his own podcast, the planning period podcast. And I, I love how that just kind of like transitioned from, you know, the teacher's passion onto the students and that you were able to see that from the students that originally started with Brad. Um, because he had, I think those students were part of like the Shreff tech group. They were like a tech support group. And it's just, Brad just wrote a blog actually about his students um, because he changed schools this year. So he was, um, he, I think he's, I think he's missing his students because he had such a close bond with them. And Oh, you could tell. Yeah. You could really tell. That yeah. was, that's awesome. Yeah. There was total trust back, you know, both ways. Absolutely. And, and that's, uh, and that's out of, born out of respect. You know, when your kids respect you, you have that, can have that close relationship with them. And um, I, I just, I just love that. And over my teaching career, you know, I first started teaching back in, you know, was it 2002, <laughs> something like that. Um, you know, it was just right on the cusp of this, this shift that was happening in education, going from like this, this sort of traditional, like way of teaching where it was all about the canon and it was all about a lot of the tests were rote memory and like what color was the hat and how many mm. times did the character do XYZ and what was the date? And those those were the kind of questions on quizzes and tests. And there's this shift starting to happen to now like skills application. And then now we're starting to start integrate that into choice. And that, you know, giving students the choice, like choice says, to show off their skills that they've acquired through um, your mini lessons and your direct teaching like this, this is kind of a perfect relationship, a symbiosis of that, like that technology mm-hmm. plus the student choice, plus the skills application. So I'm all about it. And I love more than anything. I love giving students options. Yeah. And so for me, I, w- I was so excited about the podcast um, to learn the nuts and bolts of how that worked. So I could put that on a, on a menu of choices, like, you know, cause if I don't really know how to do it, you know, there's definitely some nervousness there from from my point of, of view, course. just trying to figure out the technology of it. But, the, you know, I have to say the nice thing about teaching high school, though, is that these kids, if I don't know how to do it, they will. Somebody in there is going to know how to do it a million times better. And that's the nice thing about teaching like like kids from the tech generation today. Mm-hmm. Like they, they can figure it out usually, you know, um, or I'll say, I kind of heard of this website and they're like, oh yeah, we know that. In fact, this was even better. Oh yeah. Oh, you just not heard of that. That was, you know, that's so two years old or whatever, you know, and you're like, whoa. Um, but, but yeah, I love that. So I'm all about menus. I love menus, hmm. you know, that's really interesting. Um, Can you explain to me like what a menu looks like visually? Like, you know, a really fun way to do it. And this is an idea I got from 
like I saw this, I think from some elementary teachers. Okay. So it was an idea of creating like a bingo card. Okay. And I thought, so you turn it also into a game. So you create like a bingo card. So you have, you know, boxes and that kind of thing. Um, and you have like a game board and within each of the little boxes is a task. So that could be to create a podcast episode that could be to create a character Instagram account from the point of view of a character that and you can make them all tech if you wanted to or non tech or a mixture, it's completely up to you. But you just put different tasks in the boxes and you tell your students, okay, you know, your your goal is to is to get bingo. So you get three in a row, right? So, oh, that's so you're diagonal awesome. and so they can like take a pen or pencil or marker or highlighter and color in the boxes of the tasks they complete. And you can get bonus points too. Like if they black out the board or if they, you know, do more than what's asked, you can get bonus points. And I love that idea. I loved it. And so I, you know, I'm writing I, all I, of I'm this down because this is going oh, in my right? lessons. Yes. In my- this is totally like my top secret, now not going to be a secret anymore. <laughs> no. The strategy is like watching elementary teachers because they are the like most creative, most innovative people I know, I feel like. And a, a lot of the things they do are so adaptable to secondary. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I would have never thought of that. So now it's a game plus it's student choice. And then you can even use like, you know, leave the free space open, like let them write in their own task. Right, like let them add stuff That's to the game. Changer. Right, right, yeah, totally awesome. Uh, and students love that. So anyway, I can build in choice. I'm a big fan, and um, I know one of the things they talked about at, at Ed Camp that I loved was that whole gamification in the classroom. Mm. And this is just another way to gamify. Like, hello, and if you want to give badges out, you know, you can do that whole go that direction. And kids are all about that today. So uh, here's my problem. Yeah. As a first year teacher, I have all of these like crazy things I want to do and make badges and this and that. And I just, right. it's, it's so overwhelming, especially in the like Instagram culture and Twitter culture where you see right. everybody else's amazing projects and amazing bulletin boards and amazing classrooms. I have been just like feeling the pressure of being like, as amazing as they are. And as a new teacher, like I just don't think it's attainable just because I'm so deep into like, you know, making my my long-term plans and just going through the curriculum and kind of like making sure I have it all all puzzle piece together or tried to at least that, you know, there's other things I wish I was doing than planning. But at the same time, it's just like, man, I wish I could do it all. Cause like I love everything and I just want to try, try, try. There's just not enough time in the world. So how did you like balance all of these things in your teaching career? And that's kind of why I'm coming at you as like a help me out here. What do you think? Like balance. Well, first off, I'm, I'm not good at balance, but secondly, I'll tell you one way. uh, I I don't, I don't decorate classrooms. (laughs) That's out. That's done. I don't, I don't decorate. I, I don't even, I don't, it's just not something that A, I'm not great at. B, it's just, it's, it's, it would eat up a lot of time and resources to do that. And I know there's a lot of beautiful Pinterest worthy classrooms out there. And mm-hmm. I admire every single teacher who's able to do that. Um, I, I just keep it simple. And, you know, maybe, maybe, I, and I haven't really taught in schools where I've had a lot of, I wouldn't even just say like wall space, to even decorate. Oh, like fair. it just hasn't, yeah, this hasn't even been something that I've even really been able to do. Like in New York City, we shared, you know, you share a class with like two other teachers. So, you know, you may have like half a bulletin board, you know, so I just have students hang up some of their work up there throughout the year. And that was the extent of it. So I would just say, first off, don't worry about the physical space as much. I think, you know, you want to hang some things up, focus on the students' work, display their work, move on. That's something you can focus on later. But, you know, it's, Balance is definitely tough. I think the first year out, you just got to focus on classroom management, period. Yeah. And it takes a while <laughs> to kind of figure out your groove with classroom management. And uh, and once you kind of figure out your groove there, then you can start maybe really experimenting and branching out um, with with all kinds of new tech, you know, projects and technologies right. and all those kinds of things. And um, you know, and it's. It just takes, it takes, there, there's no perfect anything, you know? And I think, I think a lot of times on 
social media, you know, we make it look like it's perfect, but yeah. it's, you know, a lot, I know a lot of teachers I follow, I'm like, how on earth does your room look like that? How do you do that? Or, you know, how did you have time to put that project together? But uh, it looks amazing. But I, I know for me personally, you know, there's not time in, in the year to really look back and reflect back on an assignment or a unit or a project and refine it right then and there. And it wouldn't even sure. be for me personally, like a good time to do it. So I will just take notes during the year, what's working, what's not working, what I needed to change. Yep. And then when I hit the summer after the school year is over, I just make it a goal to make like one thing better. One thing, like one unit better are my bell ringers. If I'm going to use those, you know, mentor sentences, I'm going to find some better examples or I'm going to find more examples or whatever. I just try to like make one thing better. If I have time, two things better. I'll look back at my notes. And then, you know, if you kind of approach it and take those small baby steps, I feel mm. like over time, right, as the years go on, it's going to be a, an upwards trajectory. It's going to be a slow and steady trajectory, but slow and steady wins the race. I was just you know? going to say like, that seems so just like slow and simple and achievable. I think achievable yes. is like, and it's, it's measurable, like the smart goals there, like that is totally what your, um, your, the like feedback that you're giving me, that's what that is. And I think that that's such a really good way to approach it when it can seem like, you know, very overwhelming during the year trying to look back okay not jot this down try and fix it no time because you're always like trying to be one step ahead Um, exactly and you don't have the mental energy the emotional energy the physical energy to really because you're you're immediately on to the next thing you know like the unit may end for the kids but like they on friday but monday monday's two days later so you got to be ready to go with something else so there's not a lot of time to process and digest and i will say like when i started my teaching career i started at this i was really fortunate to start in a fabulous district in texas and i'll i'll name it it's plano plano isd i started at plano senior high school and in plano they uh you work on a team and you all teach the same things you you develop a a, a like a team calendar, a team, you know, unit plan, and you, and you move through it together. And so the nice thing, so if you're able to team up with someone or a yeah. team of people that first year, I just say, do what they do, <laughs> just do what they do and try to focus on classroom management and just getting through it because then you're not so burdened with coming up with a curriculum from scratch. You know, exactly. if you can do that, yeah. and work together. And then as the years go by, then you can start ha- to have more of a voice in making those decisions and refining mm-hmm. things and all that. So that was a huge uh, lifesaver for me because I had at my fingertips well over 100 years of experience of teachers on a team of, you know, five, six, seven, eight wow. teachers right there. We're all working together. And I was like, I'm going to do whatever you say to do because you've been teaching 35 years. So that sounds good to me. You know, like <laughs> I'm game on, you know, and I really just led with that humility and, and just, mm. I just learned from them. And I, and, and I, I was open, I was just completely open and I just focused on, okay, how do I get them from bell to bell? Yeah. Keep them in their seats. You know, I'm 22 when I started They're 18, I was teaching seniors in high school, wow. 17, 18 years old. It's like, how do I, how do I convince them to listen to me and how do I gain their respect? Uh, and so that was the focus. So I think that's like always a good place to start. That's Keep amazing. That. Teamwork makes the dream work. dream work work. yes Yes. it does holy cow if you can find that that's that's great and it's not something I even appreciated until I left until I moved to Chicago and then I didn't have I didn't have a team I was by myself and then New York City no teams by myself and I was like my gosh I really missed that and that's when I really started looking on social media that's when I really started turning to you know Started up Instagram, started the blogging, yeah. started really trying to find that virtual network because I didn't have a real network. I didn't have that. You know, I was like my own island. And I was like, if I'm my own ship, this ship's going to sink because I'm all about the collaboration and, and I'm constantly learning. And, and every student population has been so different from geographically from place to place. I can only imagine. Uh, and the challenges each place has had, just new challenges, and even in the physical spaces of the classroom, just sharing, you know, sharing space where you had your own space before, and then mm-hmm. having technology and then not having technology, and all of that, you know. So, uh, yeah. Do you want to like make the dream work? Yeah. Do you want to like dive into one of those different teaching areas? Like, I was going to ask you 
about <laughs> Forest for Years teaching and what it was like and what you like loved and, and kind of hated. Um, we, we touched upon it already. So um, maybe you can talk about some of those more difficult times where you had to overcome maybe the, the lack of technology or the lack of space in a classroom or, or different things that, you know, you definitely when you went into teaching probably didn't think that you would have to be dealing with these battles. Even just like the age thing. I think that's so interesting. Like the fact that you're 22 and they were 18, like that just blows my mind. It was a struggle at first. I, you know, it, it was strange for me is <laughs> this is so funny, but so I, I used to do a lot of things with music and I used to be in a singer songwriter and all this kind of stuff. So I was actually in a no doubt tribute band, like a tribute band when I was in my early twenties. And I had friends that were like still 18 and 19 that were in the band, were in the band together. But I was like going into this classroom, you know, demanding, commanding this respect. Mm-hmm. But then I was playing in this band because I, I was young still. But, uh, but I tell you, there was a gulf. There was a gulf of maturity between us. You know, it never became, you know, it was never weird for me. I think for them, they were kind of like, we're going to listen to her, you yeah. know, like, we're going to listen to her. And you know, there were a couple of times where I turned my back and someone would throw paper at me and like that. I mean, th- those things have happened, you know, and, um, really not a lot. Oh, really? sure. Holy oh, moly. Yeah. Someone okay. popped me in behind with a rubber band once one of the guys did. I, you know, <laughs> that's happened. That has happened, you know, and, and, and it didn't happen a lot, but that happened right there at the beginning of my teaching career. And, um, all right. You know, <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. Okay, sorry. I'm just like, wow. if you could see my face, I'm just like stunned right now. Yeah. Completely. Did that, to me. I was like, wow. All right. I don't even remember what I said, but. Yeah, that I was going to be my next it question. Oh, okay. It is when you feel you turn around and it's like radio silent. And nobody's going to point the finger at anybody in the room, you know, and you're like, okay. You know, but you know, I, whatever I said to them, it worked because it never happened again. I don't even remember what I said, but I tell you, it was, um, I think for me that the, the, I, and I recall this moment so vividly, the shocking thing for me was that I was always like type A personality, straight A student, AP classes, the whole nine, you know, 4.0 average. That's just who I was. And that's what not doing my homework never (laughs) occurred to me. Like it just never occurred to me. And I remember as student teaching, I was taking up a homework assignment and I stopped at this kid's desk and I woke him up. His name was Ryan. I'll never forget. Hey, Ryan, where's your homework? I didn't do it. And I just stood there like, trying to comprehend like what he was telling me. And I was like, what does that mean? Why did you not do your homework? He's like, uh, cause I didn't want to. And I was like, wait, that." that's a choice in your house. Like yeah. I, that's even an option in your house. Like I couldn't even imagine it. And so that to me, for me was just like this eye opening moment where I was like, okay, I have a lot of kids that don't do homework. You know, like this is a new struggle. Mm-hmm. Like this is not everybody's like me, you know, not everybody's going to just, you know, yeah. do it as yeah. they're told. And like this and how to, how to reach kids that are not going to always just comply, you know, with what you ask them to do. And so that was a challenge too. You know, it really was a challenge there. At the Can I ask you like what your strategies were to get your students to do homework? Because I'm sure it's not going to be a walk in the park for me either. So for any new teachers or even teachers oh, uh, listening to that want to, you know, not that I'm a huge believer in homework. Like I don't, think I'll be giving homework like on the daily, but it's more like work that wasn't finished on time, like in class and things like that. Um, Right. Did you find any strategies like that worked to promote? Well, I I think, I think you, you know, I think like even you said, you're not such a big fan of homework. And I, and I think that really hits the nail on the head with the homework situation because Mm -hmm. right when I was starting, you know, things were definitely about to change. You know, they were on the cusp of changing and the curriculum was being rewritten. Things were really radically changing. And that was one of the things that was being talked about was the role and the purpose of homework. Because, you know, if students are like in school, you know, essentially from eight to five, nine to five, eight to four, whatever the hours are, like the full-time job. And then they're having to go home and do even more work on top of the work they've been doing all day long. Sort of like, what what's the purpose behind that, you know? Um, and how can we really make sure that the homework that we're assigning is purposeful, that it's not just to check a box? Right. So I think it's it's that. It's, it's, 
And I tell you, it's been a struggle because in New York City, I was told I had to give X number of homeworks every marking period. No way. What? Yes way. Yes way. And it ate my lunch because I remember I gave a class, a homework assignment. I had this really smart kid named Vlad. He was Russian. He was a sharp guy. And and he said, can I just ask you why you're giving this homework? Because it's totally a waste of time. And I said, I said to him, you're right. Mm-hmm. And then I said, here's why. My policy is I have to give X amount. So I got to have another grade in the grade book. And that's not okay. You know what I mean? That's like, that's never a good reason to have to give a homework assignment is because you have to meet a quota. Yeah. But as long as it's purposeful and it's meaningful and it's, it's not, I think you have a better shot at them doing it. And it's not something they're doing. It's not something to, to punish them or to, you know, make them drown or, make them suffer or make them fail or, or whatever. Yeah, of and just having more of an understanding of, you know, what, what they're up against, you know, and that particular school with that, I had a lot of senior students that had jobs, you know, Amen. they were leaving yeah. high school and they're going to work, you know? And so just that realization was like, okay, if I'm going to give a homework assignment, it's got to be really like, I really need them to do something, you know, it's mm-hmm. got to be really meaningful and purposeful. So I think it's what it comes down to. So, and then, and then really keeping in mind that they have other classes too. Yes. So, I think as a yes. student, like when I was a student, even in high school or in university, when my teachers or professors were empathetic to the fact that, you know, I did have other classes and their class wasn't the only thing that I did in my whole life, that's when I appreciated them more. And if they were willing to, like, you know, move a due date around or, you know, just, being flexible, that's when I actually went out of my way to make sure I finished it, especially if it was bumped a day or whatever it may be. If the teacher professor, you know, showed that they cared enough about us to move the day or whatever it may be, you know, take off Uh 50 extra pages of reading, you know, for one night or something. I was like, you know, I'm for sure going to do at least what they had asked because it was like, you know, give and take. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, it's good and that can happen on a school-wide level like that when there's that communication and conversation. Right. And um, that particular school eventually changed policies to where each department was assigned testing days and they were on different days of the week. So like English was Mondays and math oh. was Tuesdays and science was Wednesdays. Because what was happening is we'd get to the end of the marking period and these kids would all have tests all on the same day. And they were just <sighs> like you're talking about getting wiped out, you know, mm-hmm. just totally getting wiped out all at once. And it wasn't working. And the goal is not to make them suffer and fail. The goal is to teach them, right? Absolutely. So, um, so it's, it's a great to be in a place where you can have the, those conversations. And I know that's not always possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but if and when you can, you know, to talk about the role of homework is, that's a big one. <laughs> you know, that's a really big one. And I get, I get why I had to give whatever X number of grades and and, and New York City, the issue there is that there wasn't a curriculum. And so you've got, you've got teachers teaching completely different things. So the only way to even the playing field is to say everybody's got to give X number of grades. So that way there's at like, least okay. that sort of, you know, like Interesting. cohesiveness because the way we're teaching is very different Wait, from so each other. So. How was there no curriculum? Is well, there, they said are, there was a oh, What? <laughs> It's, yes. Okay. I mean, they, they had a web page. I'll say that. There was a web page that said it was a curriculum, but it, it really wasn't a curriculum. It was sort it really, it was, I think there's, maybe they worked on it after I, I ended up leaving there, but Fair enough. Um, yeah, you know, it's always a good thing to, to have that conversation. That vertical teaming is so important, at least on the very basic level of like what writing products are the ninth graders going to do? And then what do the 10th graders need to do? And then the 11th and the 12th graders. So you can have a vertical, you know, look at what they've just had and what you're going to teach and where they're headed. That's the only way you can prepare a student. You have to have the full picture or, you know, they're not ready. (laughs) They're not ready when they come to you and they're not ready when they move on. So it's, yeah, it's important. (laughs) I just find that interesting. Like, Because in Canada, it's just so different and it's very like, this is for Ontario and every province has their own curriculum and it's not like, but it's very like any school, every school in Ontario in grade three, everybody's doing the same thing. Oh, essentially. 
but it's, that is interesting. That's yeah. good. That's I think that's a I think that's a bonus, and I think that's why we keep hearing all these great things about the Canadian education system. So I think you're very fortunate. Amen to that. Yeah. Um, before this podcast gets too long, and I haven't gotten to the you know part that I really want to kind of dive into because right now, are you in a classroom or are you strictly like like a resource creator, author? Right now I am strictly a teacher, author, and a blogger full-time. Yes. And okay. Yes. Cause like, I want to know what that is like. I want to know what is Bespoke ELA to you, how you started it, why you started it, and just kind of like how you took on this journey. That's a great question. And, you know, I think, (laughs) I think, you know, a couple of things fed into that decision. I think, number one, you know, I I really, uh, I was burnt out, you know, I was burnt out. I taught high school for 12 years. The last three of those years were in New York City. And it was, it was a tough teaching gig. I, and I can't lie. I had 170 students, which is the most I'd ever, I'd ever had at once. Um, and, uh, it, and at the simultaneously, I, I got pregnant with my daughter and after I had her, you know, there's nothing like a, like overly emotionally charged postpartum new mom to like make these kind of life altering decisions. But I, that's where I found myself. And I, and I just, it didn't make sense for me personally to go back into the classroom and then, you know, pay my money to a nanny, you know, my salary to a nanny or something like that. So I just decided mm-hmm. this, this is what I'm going to do. I kind of, you know, that was my personal decision. And, um, and so that's, that's how I, how and why I made that transition. It was 100% because of, uh, my daughter and because of family. Um, but that being said, nice. you know, I still, I still love creating curriculum. I still love working with teachers and, and I, I do miss the classroom and I do miss teaming and collaborating. And, and so that's where the Bespoke ELA came from was I thought, well, this is, this is a one way I can reach out to teachers. I can continue to work with teachers. I can continue to learn and grow because my education yeah. career is not over. You know, I'm home for now with my little girl and some point will most likely hopefully go back into a classroom um, when she's older, but it was just a way to continue that journey for me and keep me, keep me in the research, keep me in, keep me grounded and, and what's happening now and, 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 and keep me growing basically. You know, I'm just, I just, I've every day learned something new and different. And so the blog really came out of, uh, my just exploration of new things I was learning and ideas that I wanted to put out there and share. And when I started the blog, I was like, who's going to read this? And it wasn't even about that though. It wasn't even about what somebody else is going to think or really like get out of it. It was more about, this is just, this is my journey. You know, these are things that I'm thinking about. These are things that I've just discovered or I'm learning this. And I actually started to use the blog as a way to kind of like, hold myself accountable for even learning some of the technology because I would say, all right, Evernote, for example, I was like, what is Evernote? This sounds so interesting to me. I'm going to figure out how to use this and I'm going to write about it. I'm going to try to explain how I could even use this in a classroom because I think this is something I could do something with this, you know? Um, And so I wrote about that, but it also held me accountable to learning and figuring out that new resource um, and just kind of stay in the loop. And so that was sort of phase one. And then phase two of the blogging was yeah. teachwriting.org. And yep. yeah, which is amazing. Ah, I'm just like, I know that you saw my tweet about all of the prompts. I did. The writing prompts. So awesome. I love that you shared that. Thank you. thing <laughs> in the world. Like you don't know how much time that saved just me. And I'm one new teacher, one person just like in my little small town up here in Canada. And like, imagine the effect and just the amount of time you're saving for every other teacher that has downloaded it. And it's just amazing. And I want to thank you. You are. I wanted to just say that. I I wish you could see my face and the huge smile on my face, how like that just touches my heart because that was the whole purpose in creating teachwriting.org is because there, I, you know, I needed resources. And those last few years of my teaching career, I didn't have resources. I didn't have professional development. I didn't have technology. You know, if I bought something, came out of my own pocket, you know, and I, I just felt like there needed to be 
a place to go to be able to get free resources that I can print and use in my classroom tomorrow or ideas, lesson plans, tips for teaching mm-hmm. writing. Specifically, writing is, um, I think writing is just that, you know, it's that skill that I, it's, it's still, it's still so like when it comes to, to teaching writing, it's still so ambiguous. Um, it's still so nebulous. I feel like there's not one right yeah. way to do it. And I've never done it the same way twice from school to school and state to state. And, uh, and so that's where it was born out of. And those writing prompts, we actually, we are a team. There are 10 of us now that blog for teachwriting.org. And we also have all kinds of guests come on and blog as well. But uh, we created those prompts over the past year. And we had wow. way more. I think there were about 100 in that bundle, which, by the way, is, yeah. a, is a free download. If you go to teachwriting.org, you can download those. But uh, we had even more than that. Yeah. So we cut it down to 100, if you can believe it. And um, <laughs> that's what it's about, those resources, just to print and use in your class tomorrow. Instead of, you know, I found myself in a position where I was like, look, I can't wait. I can't wait to go to a conference in June. Like, I need help tomorrow. <laughs> you know, like, I, I, need mm-hmm. some, I need some tips for teaching topic sentences uh, on Monday. You know, I can't wait till right? next summer. You know, like this. That's the story of my yeah, life. Right? Like, That's the story exactly. of every teacher's life. Like you're at home, you're having dinner, you know, you play with your family or watch TV, you play with your dog. And you're like, wow, well, it's nine o'clock. What am I doing tomorrow? <laughs> like, you know, oh boy. You know, and you're like, I can't wait till June and July to go to a conference and figure it out then. I need something now. So mm-hmm. that was the idea behind it was, and, and to help, help, help students and teachers in, in K through 12. So teachwriting.org goes kindergarten to 12th grade and helps people on the full spectrum. But what's really interesting though, is the elementary teachers, I always look at what they're writing um, for the K to five group and everything they write is totally applicable to six to 12. You know, I just, hmm. it really is. I mean, the details are different, but as far as the strategies and the skills, I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. That is great advice. Yes. I need to remember that, you know? So that's where that came Absolutely. from. Yeah. Well, so you share resources on teachwriting.org, but you are also like the first Teachers Pay Teachers teacher author on the podcast. And so obviously this is what you do like for a living right now. So you evidently need to make some kind of fun. So you sell so many different types of resources on Teachers Pay Teachers. I'm on your page right now, especially like I just look at this and this is like candy to me because as an English teacher, I'm like, oh, like, oh, I've read Fahrenheit 451 before. Like I could totally use this quiz for like a dollar, you know, if it's going to save me from all these different things like researches, rhetorical analysis, Shakespeare, like you sell bundles. Yes of resources yes. and you create those all yourself. Yes. 100%. 100%. It takes time. <laughs> it takes time. Um, but you know, the, uh, those things represent, uh, you know, a lot of years worth of teaching and, and, and different ideas and things and new ideas too. Things that I learned from uh, other teachers as well along the way. But, um, yes, but there are quite, how do you like stay passionate and motivated, you know, I'm assuming that you either work from home or from a cafe and you're always either like looking through books or working on your computer or creating these resources. What like sparks and drives you? Because I find if I, even just this summer working and planning at home, like I just feel almost in a slump, not finding like that spark all the time. And I just, I don't know if I'd be able to do it. Oh, you can totally do it. Yes. You know, I think, you know, so yeah, I do work from home and my hours are usually from 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. after everybody's asleep. Yeah, so I we're usually till maybe 1 a.m. Okay. I think yesterday I was up to 1 because um, I'm home with my little girl. So, you know, she's right. – yeah, so she's she demands my attention every day and that's, you know, that's who I'm with every day. So um, – but you know what? I think – I. Re- I pers- I've recently pursued uh, some more uh, just topics of interest to me that may seem a little mm. esoteric, but are really, really specific, but are high interest topics to students. And a couple of those were I, I did a unit on Jack the Ripper and who is this notorious, mm. like maybe fictional, we don't really know, uh, serial killer um, in like the 1800s. And he, uh, 
there's all these, you know, public, all these publications written about him and who he was and what really happened or who he could be. And so I turned it into a unit on, uh, you know, looking at tone and bias in the media and in nonfiction. And of course, when you're looking at newspaper articles that are that old, they do not read like they do today. They read like, you know, <laughs> melodrama soap operas. That's how the newspaper is read. And so for kids to get to see that, students get to study that, the language and how it compares and contrasts to today. But the topic is fascinating, you know, for me personally. I was like, who is mm-hmm. this crazy guy? And then I did one on Lizzie Borden. I'm going to sound totally sadistic as I'm sharing all this. But who's also the famous uh, girl who's accused of like, hacking her parents to death with an axe. <laughs> but I don't mean what? to laugh, but I sound, I know I sound like sadistic, but it's a fascinating case. And I went, I did a really deep dive with that case because I was interested in it. And I just read more and more and more and more media coverage and all that. And so that became a huge, you know, unit, a big bundle. I never intended it for, for it to be as, you know, involved as it, as it is, but mm-hmm. it's because I was interested. So I think, I think that's what keeps me going. You know, I, I find kind of topics like that that I think obviously are ways to teach skills, but they're high interest topics, I think, for students as well. Um, and uh, try to find those angles where, you know, both worlds can meet. And I like that. Find something yeah. I'm passionate in, find something that is interesting to them and, um, and take it from there, you know. So that's kind of what keeps me going, really. Yeah. And like I'm thinking and something that just kind of popped into my mind and that I'm really curious about is how long does it take you to make one of these units or these bundles that you're, you know, starting from the bottom up, basically, if you're telling me that you're doing all the research, you know, from start to finish and then building all of these activities from the different, you know, I don't know, curriculums that you guys have down there. uh, I'm sure that takes a lot of time. It takes, yes, it does take a lot of time. I don't want to discourage any teacher out there who like likes to go, yeah, long, like two months, like longer than that, <laughs> like longer. Than okay, that. but I, uh, you know, I don't want to discourage any teacher out there that wants to maybe even try become a teacher author because it's possible for everyone with you know persistence and consistency. It's mm-hmm. possible for everyone, and I don't obviously work work at it full time because you know. I'm, I'm momming it up too. So, um, you know, it takes months. You know, I have a bundle I'm still working on. I started at the beginning of June. Now we're in August. My goal was to have it done by August 1st, but I always think, oh, it's only going to be, you know, 20 pages. And then when I'm done with it, it's like 200, you know, because as I'm working through yeah. it, I, I just, oh, I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. And, oh, that's a good idea. And uh, the screenplay unit that I created, that was a, that was a passion project for me because I've always had a, a huge love for screenwriting and I've written a screenplay. It's not good, but I wrote one. <laughs> so just because I wanted to learn more about the process and because I loved it, that took me like, Oh my gosh, eight or nine months to put that whole thing together, you know, to create all the wow. examples and, and all the pieces and the steps to go through the whole project. But uh, it takes time, but you know, it's definitely doable. And, um, you know, if like I see you have a, a Beowulf bundle and something yeah. Beowulf is something that I, I've only ever studied like very deeply in university, but uh-huh. you know, you have it here, it's like $11. And I'm thinking the time it took for Meredith to put all this together, I would give her $50 for this because I know like the heart, sweat, and tears. And I just love Teachers Pay Teachers for that because you can find you can find things for free, you can find things at a buck, you can find things at five dollars. And you know what? For me, and for my own sanity and like mental health. Yes. I think that this is incredible. Well, cool. Especially for English teachers. Oh, especially. Yeah. I mean, as well as exactly, exactly. There's a lot of things on there to save time. I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. Do you have a favorite resource that you made? Is it your screenplay one? Well, that's definitely my passion project, but uh, my literary analysis bundle is also my favorite. Now that one took me two years to write. But that's because I was working, I wrote that when I was still teaching. And it was because I, and this was before I started teachwriting.org. It's because I didn't have those mini lessons. I was like, I really need a mini lesson right now on commentary. I can't find it. I don't have it. I don't have a textbook. I'm going to have to make it. I couldn't find anything online that would just work. And so I just started creating these mini lessons. And it became this huge, like, it's a bundle, but it's really a book. It's like 300 pages. It's It's insane. But I just kept adding and adding and adding and adding and adding. Um, and they were re- resources that I needed. So I made them, you know. Um, so that that I, I really poured my my time and energy into. And 
was really working with a group of students that that really struggled with writing because my students in New York City, uh, their first language is not English. You know, most of them, I, I worked at a magnet school, so I had um, predominantly Asian students. And so they really, really struggled with writing. And so I needed some resources. I just needed some to really break it down in simple, you know, simple terms and make right. it as accessible for them, as accessible as I could make it for them. So that's where I really put the blood, sweat, and tears was into that. Um, and so I love it huh. for that, you know, because, because it reminds me of, of how it really helped those students grow over those three years. And yeah, yeah you know. Uh, that's so neat. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm hearing you talk and I'm just like bright, bright eyed because everything that you've done is like amazing. And I oh kind of want to do it too. Like, <laughs> well, you should. Just all of your, Good. Ugh, I don't even know where this teaching journey is going to take me, but wow. it's just yeah. really exciting for me to hear everybody's different like journeys and paths through this crazy profession and just hearing your stories about all the different places that you taught and all the obstacles you have to overcome and, you know, becoming a teacher author for Teachers Pay Teachers and having like, you have so many follows, followers on Instagram, like you're totally Instagram famous. Um, <laughs> famous. It's just like, which is hilarious because I didn't even know what Instagram was, you know, when I started, I was like, right? what is this? <laughs> I think what you're doing is really helping from new teachers to veteran teachers, like anyone can kind of reap the rewards of the hard work that you put into all of these passion projects, evidently. And so I just want to finish off the podcast by asking you if you had to give one piece of advice for new teachers starting, because I have lots of new teachers that listen to the podcast. Um, mm -hmm. I usually like to end off with kind of like a, a tip or trick or maybe advice that one of your mentor teachers gave you when you were student teaching or just overall good advice um, for new teachers starting out. What would you say? Oh, that's a good question. And mm -hmm. it's hard to pick one thing. Um, because I liked what you said when you were speaking about your first years yes. and how you were working in a team. And I had wrote down like lead with humility. And I love that so, so much. And I think that's a really good tip. You know, I, I, I love, I just love everything about that kind of like quote or saying, I don't even know what it is. That statement, we'll call it a statement. That's a good one. Um, and and maybe like, okay, I can be really cheesy, <laughs> but, but and just, You're allowed. Okay. I mean, like, this is who I am. I'm a cheesy English teacher. But, you know, I think of like the Tim McGraw song, like, always stay humble and kind. And I, mm. and I think that is so true. And like, someone should paint, like, make a poster of that they haven't already and like hang it in the classroom. But that, that's, that's the truth. Like, never be better than, you know, the position you're in, like, ever. And you always have something to learn from a brand new teacher or from a teacher with 40 years of experience. And you do not know everything. I do not know everything. And I never pretend to know everything. Like, you know, I, I come in with it always and approach, you know, every interaction I've ever had with a new teacher, uh, uh, a new to me teacher, a new colleague with just awe and respect and, um, and, and yeah, humility, just like what, you know, what, what, what have you done? What are you doing? And it doesn't mean that there aren't better, more effective practices than others or that you're always going to agree with what someone's doing, but just to be open, just be open to new ideas because when you shut down, and this happens sometimes, especially when you're writing curriculum, people can get really you know defensive and, 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 and all that with new and different ideas. And you know what happens? Mm -hmm. You know why that happens? It happens because teachers care so much. That's why it happens. Yeah. You just say, look, I, you know, I know you love what you do. You're passionate about it. And that's why you're so strong willed about it. And I respect that, you know, and, but just staying open. That's a great way to see it. Yeah. yeah. Just staying open to new ideas. I think that you can't go wrong. Always stay humble and kind. Tim <laughs> a girl. Oh, wow. Meredith, I, I will send you a picture like on my, I have one of those, um, 
boards, the letter boards yeah. from Target. Yeah, I went to Target in the States. And on my letter board right now, it says, always stay humble and kind. So when serious? you said that. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's awesome. This was like so here. Moment. Yes. I'm just like grinning ear to ear because I think that that's like, oh, oh it's just so like, it's with the values that I have. And when you said that, I just was almost like, see, I can't, I can't even talk because I just think it's so amazing. Okay. I'm not, I'm just going to stop there because it was this, meant is, to be. this is just too good. Yeah, basically. And now I sound like um, some hit girl from Texas that listens to country music and that's okay. That's all right. I, and that's totally okay. He is amazing. I saw him. He's super good looking. Faith oh Hill God, is a lucky woman. Him? I haven't even gotten to see him. That's pretty cool. I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He came up to Canada in like 2015, I think it was. He played at one of our okay. big That's concerts. So very cool. Hello, hello, yeah, hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, Meredith, I just want to thank you for spending your what day of the week are we? Wednesday, Wednesday. evening with me. Yeah, Wednesday already, hump day. Um, I think that there are so many takeaways from this episode that so many teachers are going to be able to listen and even just like your bingo activity. I think that that was the highlight of this episode. That's what I'm walking away with today. So I want to thank you for sharing your wisdom and your positive energy with me tonight. And I hope that we'll be able to, to reconnect sooner than later. I hope so too. Thank you so much for having me on. It was awesome. It was my absolute pleasure. Thanks. Uh (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Kesara Sara. I look forward to continuing to learn from one another. So what did you think of this episode? Let me know by leaving me a comment in SoundCloud or sending me a tweet to at Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, Lalonde, L-A-L-O-N-D-E-E. And you can also subscribe to my podcast on iTunes under Kesarasara. And hey, did you know that Kesarasara is a proud member of the Voice Ed Radio Network? Check them out at voiceed.ca.